Hey, Wyoming. Welcome to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with the University of Wyoming Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and co-host Jerry Urshabek. Originally aired on KGOS and KERM in Torrington, join Jeff, Jerry, and all their special guests as they talk all things gardening in the great state of Wyoming. From plant variants to weather events to pesticides and pollinators, our Lawn and Gardening Podcast helps you improve your home garden as well as your small acreage. So let's welcome Jeff Edwards, Jerry Urshabek. Happy gardening, folks. Good morning, everybody. This is Jeff Edwards for the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program, along with my co-host and sidekick, Jerry Urshabek. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for asking. And how about yourself? Uh, good. I'm ready to be a little bit warmer, though. Oh, it's supposed to be a little warmer. <laughs> supposed to be. Yes, I've heard that yes. story before. Yeah, we, we've been hearing that story. And our guest today is Joyce Evans, the mayor of Fort Laramie and um, gardener and lover of plants. And we're going to be talking about planning and getting ready for warmer weather. Good morning, Joyce. How are you? <laughs> good morning, Jeff. I'm well, thank you. How are you, Jerry? Hey, really good. Thank you. Hey, Good before we get started, oh, yeah, go ahead. I have the I found the best grass and weed killer. It's it's non-selective, man. I mean, it kills everything. Uh, it's only one problem. It kills just about everything. That's twenty degrees below zero. <laughs> I don't have a weed growing at all right now. Well, you know, I understand no the fort. I understand that 40 below is even better. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> well, if we had it for a week, we could get rid of our bark beetles, you know. Well, it, it actually needs to be a month, Joyce. And we I don't oh. think we want to wish we don't want to oh, wish my. that on anybody. I was holding out for a week. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, uh, before we actually get into the program, let's take a little break and listen to our sponsors and we'll be back in a moment. The University of Wyoming Extension and Sensible Nutrition Program share educational resources across Wyoming, and we want to hear from you. How do you find information on your favorite topics? What social media platforms do you use? What's the best way to get our resources into your hands? We want to know. Take our survey and earn an awesome multi-use kitchen tool, and help us get the best information to you in the way you want it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. I'm Jeff Edwards with my co-host, Jerry Hirschbeck, and our guest today is Joyce Evans. And uh, prior to the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the lovely weather that we've been experiencing, and most of the nation is dealing with the same thing, I guess. Let's put it that way. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember the last time we had 12 inches of snow. <laughs> no, I don't either. And if the wind had been blowing, we would have been Ooh. in real trouble. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It it's a really dry snow, right? It's a uh, frost that's basically fallen out of the sky, and maybe we'll get some moisture out of it. But uh, the best part would be that if it didn't blow away or make really bad drifts. Yeah. <laughs> well, the best part of it is I got my cross country skis out yesterday and went skiing. It's wonderful. Very nice. Yes. Uh, Diane keeps telling me I should try it. And I keep telling her it needs to have a little bit more of a base underneath it. But uh, if you oh, no, it, it's, Joyce, like, it's great. It's great. Yes, I recommend it. You should try it. I did um, make a path, which my um, 
which Diane's cousin is referring to the racetrack, I made a path around our property so that uh, I could at least get the dog out and take her for a loop around our property <laughs> without trudging my, through the snow. In my youth at the University of Wyoming, uh, I had unfortunately wrecked my car and I had to bicycle for uh, Thanksgiving to Easter. Which was probably the best thing for you at the time. Oh, man, Jerry. it really was. But <laughs> the the most fun, I thought, was a snowdrop much like this. You'd put it in one gear and tool around and make little tracks. And uh, as long as you weren't on real slick cement, had no problem. But over on the basketball courts was nice and slick. It'd drop you in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my... my uh... I rode my bike all the time in, in Laramie, which uh, I think about it now and think oh, I was just kind of nutty when it was this cold. <laughs> but hey, it worked. It worked. You're only five to seven minutes away from campus anyway, in most yeah. spots. Actually, I lived across uh, town and um, had to cross the overpass and uh, uh, oh my. get over into campus. So yeah, I had a little bit of a trek. So Instead of reminiscing, let's talk about the future. What are we doing for this spring, Joyce? <laughs> well, I always try to make a detailed plan of my garden before the garden comes into fruition. Of course, then I change it entirely, and it's a totally different picture. So I'm assuming that everyone has the past maps of their gardens and where they had everything. Is that That's what you do, right, Jeff? Yeah, every, every year. It's, it's right here. He's pointing at his forehead for those of you who can't see him through the radio. <laughs> exactly. Right. So um, last year, I had a great plan. I was going to plant a spiral garden using the Three Sisters method, where I planted a spiral of corn and around that dry beans to grow up the corn. And then I was going to have the nice squash plants around that. And it was a great plan. And when I put my garden in, it was totally European, straight rows, the whole bit. I even got a string out and made the rows straight. Forget the spiral. So I had no idea what I'm doing this year. Well, but, you know, uh, just taking the time to plan it out gives you something to think about. You get to think about how it's going to look and how it's going to hopefully taste, because that's the point, right? We're growing a garden to eventually eat it. So, yeah, it's a it's a, a really good activity, whether you stick to that plan or not. No big deal. It's, and that's it is, good. It is nice to have a plan, though, a little bit of a plan. Uh, it helps you with your watering system. It helps you with getting certain areas ready. So Jeff and I grow garlic and you have to have that garlic situated like in August. So you're not going to till it back up or put too much fertilizer on that area or whatever. So yeah, planning is a great deal. We have to do some, but yeah, of course, just like you, Joyce, plan never really follows through <laughs> until the planting date itself. That's so Joyce, true. You've, how long have you been gardening in the same spot? We have the same garden spot. We've had that for, it'll be nine years this year. So we have the same spot and we have to be really careful to Make sure that we don't plant the same plant in the same place every year. And and that's what a map really is good for, is helping you rotate your crops and your types of crops. Yep. So yep. that's what we use it for in a general way. Well, you know, I pointed to my head when I was talking about my map. I, I do have a fact checker that uh, assists me in keeping that file correct. 
And how is she? <laughs> She's doing very well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> hey, you can't plant that there. <laughs> exactly. You, you had to do that last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, referring to garlic, I think you have to make sure that you use a different spot every three years. Is that correct? For a lot of these things, it's good to rotate on a three-year schedule. Things like tomatoes and peppers and those things that are kind of very similar that can harbor diseases back and forth from each other, a three-year rotation is probably best to eliminate future problems. That's, um, that's one of the things that I talk about when I do uh, high tunnel workshops is, personally, if I had the space, I would have three smaller high tunnels and dedicate one to tomatoes one year and one to other things, you know, so you can divide it up into individual sections and then uh, rotate amongst the three of them or the four of them. And then the fourth one would be, of course, to uh, have something planted for your chickens. Amen. And allow the, and allow the chickens to clean up <laughs> and eat. Yes. yes. And eat and have the oh, eggs. Eight, uh, yes, correct. So yes. Mother Earth News had a had an article in it long ago and far away where the chicken coop would open into a cornfield and it was fenced. So half the year or half this year we would grow corn on the let's say the left side and on the right side we would feed the chickens and let them go out there and run and pick and stuff uh some people would even let them grow into their corn after the corn was up pretty good because chickens will peck on greenery yep but they will also you know eat all their grasshoppers but then the next year you would farm corn where the chickens were fed and laid their manure down and just go back and forth i thought that was always a great idea yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think next year, this year is probably going to be a pretty bad grasshopper year once again. And people are always asking about control tactics. And I think chickens are, or guineas are one of the best things to have around. You know, if you live in town, it's a little bit more difficult. But uh, if you live out in the country, they do a really good job at cleaning stuff up. Sounds like a good plan. I think 20 below helps in some of those overwintering grasshoppers, too. Hopefully. Yes, probably we, we not the only- ones that- <laughs> Not the ones that laid their eggs, but <laughs> we can only hope. Uh, yes. So um, after we have the plan, do you sit around and look at all the seed catalogs you've received, and or do you, or is that in uh, conjunction with the plan? Looking through the seed catalogs and then thinking, oh, that would look good here. This might taste better than the last cucumbers I grew. So. Well, I think I think seed catalog reading is an art and an entertainment into it unto itself. But um, they start coming in December now. They almost beat Christmas these days. So I've been looking at seed catalogs for some time. I've already ordered my seeds, or at least yes. a good portion of them, because I think after last year, a lot of companies ran out of seed, and so I have mine. I have mine on my counter now where they're being safely guarded until um, time to plant. And I will so, lose So, yes, that, that is a reminder for those of you who haven't ordered your seeds yet. You might want to start doing that, thinking about it and getting it done because there were shortages last year. And, and uh, some of the websites where you can order seed from were overwhelmed and basically shut down. So plan ahead a little bit and uh, be prepared. Also, you can get seeds that are organic seeds that aren't treated with anything. 
Um, the, my particular seeds are organic and biodynamic, so they're good seeds, and they do keep well, too. They'll keep if you don't plant them all, although that's not always the best idea. But sure. if, you, if you have to winter some over, they will keep for you, too. But I have a lot of raised beds in my garden. So last year, I planted beans in a lot of the places where I'd grown other crops for the last several years. And I'm really excited to see if that does help with the nutrition in the soil. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that the, the plans help with is knowing where you planted what last year. Sure. Yep. Trying to keep your uh, nutrients in rotation as well. Exactly. So, Jeff, I've also seen, uh, we were talking about high tunnel earlier and making sure you have a plan. I've seen some high tunnels been able to actually be on rail or be on skids so they can be moved forward or, well, let's say north-south. So they could be moved north one spot and then moved south one spot. So you actually have three spots then. Yeah. So um, there's a producer, a berry producer over in the Wheatland area who has a high tunnel that's on tracks. Um, And he will actually, the berries that he has, he has two sections where where the high tunnel can be. And he protects the section early in the spring and then rolls it to a different location uh, to protect the berries for late fall harvest. So it, it is an interesting concept. And I, I think a lot of that kind of stems from some NRCS efforts to protect soil and allow for moisture to get in because high tunnels, you have to, you have to add every bit of moisture that comes in. So um, this allows for uh, spring rains to hit the place where you're going to move it to in the fall and those types of things. So we've had, uh, if, if our listeners remember, we put up a deer fence and it's a chicken wire fence, six feet high. And I yes. had, I had some real doubts whether we were really protecting from deer or not. And, and so we have a, a small little pond. Well, we were closing up the windows and turning all the lights off and outside there stood Bambi looking back at us going, what are you guys doing? <laughs> you need to add water to the pond. We, we have to drink, get down too far to drink. So What's, there, there are deer meandering through our area. And uh, yeah, that, that deer fence is keeping them out. I, I was afraid you were going to say that they were inside the fence. Yeah. Nice and cozy. <laughs> no, no, they, they go to the neighbor's uh, garage and there's another fence nearby it. So uh, they're real cozy right there. And they lay down and, just before dawn, they're up and out. You yep. never really see them except on occasion. Yeah. Uh, where we are, you know, we had deer all summer and fall, and it's amazing. About November, they kind of disappear. I don't know where they go. <laughs> they move to town. They know when it's hunting season. That's right. They, uh, they, they, they leave the country. Yeah. <laughs> so, Joyce, are you, are you thinking of, of planting something brand new this year? I am not being very creative at all this year. I'm also retired and thinking of maybe traveling more than watering and weeding in the summer, but oh yeah, I'm sure I'll plant something. So are you, are you destined to have a timer system or a good friend? I, I rely on neighborhood children. Oh yeah. Huh? Who the are best. very, very well, dependable you know, and it's more fun. Uh, you know, Jerry might need a summer job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but is he dependable? 
<laughs> well, there, I don't know. We might have to have some references. <laughs> I don't think that I can be relied upon. I screwed up the time frame for this meeting, so uh, uh, I, I don't know. I've made apologies. <laughs> well, I was going to go back to the deer problem. We have oh. had a lot of deer moving into Fort Laramie, and I saw an interesting solution to deer predation on gardens. Last summer, I was at, uh, there's a museum in the Little Snake River Valley near Savory, and they had a garden planted what was unfenced right out in the middle of a flat yard, and that country is known for deer. There are hundreds and hundreds of deer that migrate through there and are resident deer. And I wondered how they kept the deer away. And when I looked closely at the garden, I noticed they had planted a huge circle of squash plants around the garden. It was kind of an oval or round shape. And they had squash plants growing thickly around the whole perimeter. And then they had their tasty peas and lettuces and those types of things in the center. And apparently that kept the deer from getting to the, the delicious treats that they were looking for. Because I don't believe the deer will walk through the squash plants. No, but they will eat the squash blossoms. And they may have a hesitancy of jumping over a width of squash plants. I think it was that's, relatively wide. That's interesting. <clears throat> so I that thought that was a good system. Yeah. I know the deer like those squash blossoms because you go outside, and, and this is before our deer fence, and you go out there and boy, look at all the blossoms. Look at, and then they're gone. I mean, <laughs> they're not on the ground. They're they're gone. So uh, my assumption is that those deer are eating the squash blossoms. But what a great idea! Yeah, I, that, I thought uh, it would be worth trying. That would be interesting to see and try. Uh, that savory area is a really pretty area of the state. It's, it is uh, beautiful down there. It's a really nice drive between bags and encampment to see to see that. So, so Jerry, you're not familiar with that area, are you? I know I know bags and I know encampment, but I don't know where Savory is. Is that just in between, further south? In between the two. It's, oh, it's very it's very pretty country. <laughs> very pretty, and so you know, Sar between Saratoga and encampment. Yeah, very pretty. Different areas of the state. So I think we're going to be using more of the, the classic annuals, uh, marigolds, snapdragons, uh, nicotina. And I'm not sure if I'm saying this right. Please correct me. It's either Salome or Cleome. It's, oh. like, a, it's like a tall plant with big, flower, big leaves and then a flower head on top, kind of little trumpeties. I know what you're talking about, and I don't think I can pronounce it correctly either. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it pronounced Cleome. It's North American bee plant, isn't it? Oh, boy, you got me there. I don't know. That's much easier to say. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I <laughs> agree. And remember. Is, is, that in a, is that in a bee balm family? It may be. I'm not sure. But it's Cleome, okay. I think, is the, the name, one of the names yeah. for it. And then, of course, you know, throw in our dahlias and iris and roses and you know, some other perennials that we have that comes up. We like perennials because you don't have to mess with them much and unless you want to move them. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big annual planter. I uh, prefer to set it and forget it. Kind of the Ron Pope oh, yeah. method of gardening, <laughs> but uh, we, we like to uh, plant a lot of perennials and, 
I think we talked about this last fall, but the new thing that we're trying is um, something clove current that we got from a recommendation that we got from uh, Lucinda Mays last fall. Crandall's clove current. My my file checker just uh, whispered to me what it was. Crandall's clove current, which apparently um, has yellow flowers on it that smell kind of like cloves or spices. And so that sounds that sounds cool. Uh, we planted a hedge of those along the um, east side of one of our retaining walls, and uh, hopefully it'll kind of hide the wall and do what it's supposed to do. How tall do they get? I think four to six and about the same wide, four to six feet. Sounds uh, interesting. In a couple of years, maybe we'll be able to have that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that's a perennial bush? Yes. Uh, bush, current. Bush thing? Current? Yep. So... Uh, Joyce, if you're interested in current berries. <laughs> <laughs> I am interested in current berries. Of course I am. <laughs> so, so, there, so there may be a lot of those available. Um, Are they uh, edible? I, think, I Are they edible so, yeah. currants? Okay. Yeah. Don't give me something that's inedible. Well, we'll check on that just to make sure. Uh, wait a minute. Inedible like aronia? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Dangerously inedible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So, Jerry, are you familiar with aronia? I am not. So, we had never heard of aronia in about, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe. It, they became very popular. Uh, Joyce, am I correct in saying that, that there were more of them planted starting about a decade ago and I think more so. Visible. Yeah. I think so. Uh, so aronia are, um, the plants are very nice little bushes. It, there's about a lot of different varieties. They have berries on them that actually look like blueberries. However, they do not taste like blueberries whatsoever. They are high in antioxidants and they are an acquired taste. <laughs> they are sure. native North American plants. Yes, they so are. They are not in uh, not imported plants. They substitute nicely for blueberries in things like muffins and pancakes. You can juice them. You can flavor vodka with them. You can make puddings with them. They and do not yield a lot of juice. They do not. They do yield a lot of berries, however. <laughs> and they yield a lot of color. Yes, uh, they do. They're very, beautiful. They freeze well, so they're they're easy to preserve. They will last I, a long time. If you're at Jeff's house, they'll last forever. <laughs> yes, and I try to give them to Joyce and Mike every year. They pick a bucket and then leave. It's like no, no, no. There's there's more than a bucket. <laughs> I think two gallons in the refrigerator or in the freezer is enough for two old people for the winter. <laughs> now, is that is that what's called a German blueberry? No. It's, is there no, is that, that is, another that is entirely different and we will not be talking about that <laughs> okay because <laughs> it's the same thing and it refreshes itself really easily yeah so 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 these don't these are shrubs uh, okay um they don't I, I don't know they the seeds in them are very tiny right joyce they are very right they uh, don't the seeds are not a problem so um they have some very astringent qualities. And uh, if you're a wine connoisseur, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. But uh, apparently they're very um, healthy. <laughs> right, Joyce? That's why I'm still here, alive. <laughs> <laughs> Pre working on preservation. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> Self-preservation. <laughs> but the, uh, I do you know, enjoy it. Oh, well, good. I, I see that we're about halfway through our program, so uh, let's take a break and listen to our sponsors, and then we'll be back with the second half of our program. Do you want to learn how to manage your money, but you're not sure where to start? UW Extension is here to help. See our Facebook page at noon on Mondays for Michelle's Monday Money Minutes. Hi, I'm Michelle V. Hill with the University of Wyoming Extension, and I'm so happy you joined me today. I'm going to be providing money tips to help you be less stressed and less scared about your money. Learn about building a budget, eligibility for stimulus checks, tax prep information, and more. All right, we're back, everybody. Welcome to the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. I'm Jeff Edwards from the University of Wyoming Extension and my co-host, Jerry Urshabek. And our guest today is Joyce Evans, and we've been talking about spring planning and getting ready for our gardens, amongst other things. So where do you want to go uh, for the second half of our program, Jerry? Well, you know, you sent me a video about crack farming. Wait a minute. Say that again. You sent me a video about crack farming. Crack and so farming. they were farming between oh, bricks. Yeah. Yes. And yes. so <laughs> I think these people had laid down underground uh, watering systems, uh, you know, perforated hose, that sort of thing. Well, wait a minute. I, I think these people live in an environment where they don't have to irrigate. So they, they don't have to, they don't oh, have yeah. to worry about planting. So the, the video came from an Asian country. I don't know exactly where, but they had laid down a, a block patio. Brick? and A brick patio. Or a brick patio and left enough space in between the bricks where they filled them with soil and then they were growing their garden in that space between the bricks. Uh, so it was really easy to weed. So clean. And yeah, it was the cleanest garden I've ever seen. So I, uh, I think maybe um, in our climate, we could probably do the same thing, but I would lay a drip tape in between those bricks at the base and then fill that slot with uh, soil. And hey, voila, it's a, it's a weed-free garden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no weeds I, whatsoever, except they're in the crack of the brick. Right. Um, so, I, I don't know that I would necessarily refer to it as crack gardening. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me um, a better word. Uh, maybe let's just call it patio gardening or something. All right, let's, <laughs> let's do that. So at but, my old But since we are on the radio, that is a very descriptive way to uh, uh, get across what was happening in the video. So at my old building, uh, there was a south side and then a parking lot adjacent to the south side of the building phase. And there happened to be a crack in between the asphalt and the brick that was. The, so I got the great idea. I had a whole bunch of marigold seeds. So I went and I planted through out there and then I laid down some nice soil and then I started watering it by hand. And, you know, marigolds are tough, 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 tough. And they did really well in that crack between the asphalt sure. and the building. So I took it from there that I was crack farming. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it was very interesting in this video because they actually had, they were growing corn in this space between the bricks and um, cabbage and 
zucchini yeah tomatoes uh, so yes uh, so i think it i think it is a very doable type of thing I, I don't know if it would get too hot based on the heat reflecting off of the bricks but um uh, again it, it was some- a it was a tropical country so yeah. obviously not or if it, you it wanted be- to you could put a shade cloth over it exactly yep it would be something to try i think yeah you know, we've been putting 30% shade cloth over the tops of the uh, high tunnels, and they are actually more productive than uh, if you don't do that. So so uh, we have a, a plant that's called moonflower. It puts out a really phosphorescent large trumpet that shows white and especially is really white in the moonlight. And okay. it has a tendency to fall into whatever crack. And we have a brick pathway in between our house and the and the old garage and it came up in between there and and we marveled at how it could grow between the crack yeah and might might as well be using that space right no kidding and what what floored me about that video was how clean of gardening that was and you know your fruits and vegetables they didn't get any dirt on them and no splash up no splash up from dirt. Yep. So I yeah. thought Joyce, that was really ever, interesting. Have you ever seen anything like that? I have not. The only plants that have grown between bricks at my house are in the patio, and there are things like meadow rue, and I keep trying to pull them up, and it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> Try yeah. some of that so, 20 below. <laughs> it's working. It's working it's right working. now. Can you, can you get that in a two and a half gallon jug, Jerry? <laughs> I told I told my brother in law that I wanted him to send up a couple of five gallon buckets of sunshine. He goes, My lids have fell off, so I can't do that. <laughs> can't get it trapped. Can't get it trapped up. Maybe you could ship it with the vaccine since it has to be super cold. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Very so interesting. Have, have either one of you grown Jerusalem artichokes in your no. garden? No. So when I was in high school, there was a gentleman who was uh, growing Jerusalem artichokes that my parents knew. Uh, but that is my only experience with Jerusalem artichokes. And did they let them grow to flower? Do you remember? I think that he probably did. And then he had a heck of a time trying to get rid of them afterwards. Oh, <laughs> so Yeah. I understand they have a really pretty flower, but I didn't understand the part about hard to get rid of it later. Will they come back year after year? So they're, um, or do they spread? Me, they, have a, they, they have a rhizominous root system. And if you are unable to get all the pieces, it will continue to come back in that place. Man, oh uh, man. But if I remember correctly, aren't the roots, uh, isn't there a, a substance uh, from the extracted from the roots that is used in um, insulin or inulin manufacture. Is that correct, Joyce, or am I thinking about something else? I'm not sure. I don't okay. remember. I tried to grow them once in a greenhouse. This was when I lived at 7,000 feet elevation, but um, I didn't have trouble getting rid of them because they didn't do well enough to worry about. <laughs> Again, it was a it was a dose at forty below. <laughs> or 20 below. Frequent, frequent forty below. <laughs> yeah, we all need a little of that every once in a while. 
<laughs> it keeps us humble. <laughs> makes us appreciate makes it makes us appreciate uh, you know ten degrees. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> it does. Whoever thought that you'd say, "Oh, the forecast today is twenty eight to thirty three. Oh my gosh, that's warm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Canarly way. That's a 60 degree difference than what we've been experiencing. <laughs> it is. It's good for us. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so we've we've had uh, programs about trees and we probably need to revisit a little bit of that again. Once this cold weather moves out of here and um, uh, the snow melts off, we need to evaluate if there's enough moisture there and um I think that Amy has suggested using a, a long screwdriver to try to poke into the soil because if I uh, see the weather correctly, you know, next week is, or the week after next is going to be in the forties or whatever. So uh, if that's true and we don't have enough moisture, um, should probably put the hose out and try to water your shrubs or your pine trees and try to keep them uh, hydrated because when it gets this cold uh, and we have a little bit of wind, things dry out really quickly. So just kind of check those things again and keep an eye on them. And if you feel that you need to, uh, go ahead and water them. Joyce, are you, uh, are you doing anything with your geodesic dome right now? We're planning the geodesic dome. Oh, there you but, go. So, yes. Um, they're, they're, they're relying on an unreliable worker at this point in time. Uh, oh, does he need it. references? Yeah, yeah um, to actually, to actually get some is. stuff done. <laughs> well, um, actually, the preschoolers are starting to plant some of the plants that will go in the greenhouse. And they've started with some herbs that may not go in the greenhouse, but they're learning about herbs. So we are starting some plantings. So we'll be ready to go when we get those raised beds finished. And we're yes, doing some. Go ahead. Oh, and, and my schedule should be uh, opening up here. So um, those types of things will be occurring. So and let me are... ask, can yes. you heat your geodesic dome with like a little space heater? So you can, and people have, and it might be a little bit easier in a geodesic dome than in a uh, hoop house or, a, you know, a longer type structure. But I don't know that it's very uh, efficient. Particularly, let, so let's just take the last eight, 10 days that we've had where we right. had this funny cloud cover where we don't see any sunshine and cold is cold. I don't know how much propane you would actually go through to uh, try to keep a, uh, a space like that warm enough to grow. You know, my recommendation would be to use uh, frost blankets or um, uh, those types of things and make sure that in this type of weather to cover things. Up, uh, up until this point, we had uh, greens growing in our high tunnel, and um, I, I haven't checked on them because I can't open the door to the high tunnel right now. But uh, <laughs> I think that some of them will probably have survived this. I do have other things growing out there. Our strawberries are growing in the high tunnel, and I have four layers of frost cloth on top of them, and uh, they'll be just fine. So you got to cover things up. Now, my crazy pumpkin friends will put heat tape into the ground or a heat wire and uh, I'll, uh, agreeing that, yeah, right now is not the time to plug it in. Or, But I was just wondering if the geodesic dome could be heated and more appropriately, 
later into the season. This is still just the end of February. So like middle of March or end of March, maybe to, oh. to cut down on those really cold nights. You know, last year we planted the, a bunch of different things the first day of spring, which was in March, right? And did just fine. So no additional heat, those types of things were required, but we did cover at night. So during the day, the temperature warms up, warms up the soil, and then at night it's going to get whatever the temperature is outside. And so if you can cover things up, it'll protect them and keep them going. I think quite a bit of heat stays in the soils too once they get warmed up. And it does get really warm in there during a sunny day. So I think, I think you would, yeah, ask Jeff. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yes. It would be, you know, if you had some way to black boxes with water, black barrels with water or something, you could probably retain quite a bit of heat and it would stay in that soil, but that takes up space. So it's kind of a trade-off. And I think you just have to time your plantings a little bit to respect the seasonality of of the world rather than just try to change everything. Well, and I have seen individuals who put in a uh, water feature inside of a geodesic dome. And so it's a total water column, right? They'll make this thing about eight feet deep and uh, pretty good size. And so that kind of provides a tempering of the temperature, so Mm -hmm. to speak. It becomes a heat sink and a heat source. So at night it kind of lets off some of that and, um, I think it's a good idea. We probably won't be doing that in the one in Fort Laramie, but at least not in this one, maybe in the next one, right, Joyce? We can call it the pool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Fort Laramie pool. That's right. <laughs> Only one person at a time. <laughs> so if you did put that uh, water feature in, you could always dig the the retaining pond or pool down a little deeper. So you'd always be sucking up uh, 50 degree water. Yeah, so the ones that I've seen, they uh, will take a sheet of pressure treated plywood and dig their hole, use that as their liner on the inside of the hole, and then uh, use a pond liner inside of that to uh, help retain the water. Uh, So it just adds some structure and rigidity up above uh, the surface of the ground. So really you're putting about six feet into the soil. Um, and yeah, it should stay about 50 degrees all year round, except at the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Cool ideas. Uh, Just one more thing you can do with a geodesic dome or a hoop house. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I've been fascinated by, uh, hydroponics and aquaponics and those types of systems. I just have never had the, um, will, (laughs) <laughs> to uh, to mess to mess around with them that much um, and try to get something like that started, but uh, there's a lot of systems out there that are prepackaged and you can just set them up and put them wherever you think you need to and make things happen. Yeah. Have you ever messed around with aquaponics, Jerry, or hydroponics, or thought about know, it? I, I never have, other than trying to start an avocado seed. Oh, uh, sure. You know, something like that, or. I've seen where you could take the bottom of a celery stalk and cut off the top and put the bottom in water. And then supposedly you have more celery growing, seen videos of that, but never really done much in, in that way. You, you've been spending too much time on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a YouTube problem to me. <laughs> yeah. Whatever um, you want carrot, to find. Yeah. Uh, carrots, you can do that with. Apparently you can do that with pineapple. 
I, I've never, I've never tried that because I've had the luxury of being able to grow things in the garden. So um, it, it'd be worth a try. Yeah. 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 So I find it interesting that your kiddos are starting plants and one more, it's just a, maybe an idea. I don't know if how you feel about it, but you could hire on to start seeds for people and those kiddos could do that at a think maybe at $5 a tray or, I mean, if you had the space, you could maybe help those kiddos make a few dollars for an outing or more seeds or something. <laughs> that sounds like an excellent idea. I will pass that on to the teacher and see what she thinks. Right now, we have them pretty busy. They're starting all of the seeds for our parks. We have Memorial Park where we have um, under the, the flags, we have a a planter there. So they are starting all of our plants for that this year. They did last year too, started some perennials. So we'll have to see what comes up this year, but we're doing annuals this year and they're going to plant all of those. And then they are going to also start all the plants for the dome this year. We decided that we would do the community garden with just, um, just plants that are already started and not give people space this year to grow their own in the community dome. So we'll see how that works. But the, the preschoolers are starting all of those plants. So we're pretty excited to see how that will play out. And, of course, that gives them the, the opportunity to harvest some of the produce in the fall. And the teacher is showing them how to take it from a plant form into something they like, like pumpkin pie or something like that. But she's done a lot with um, tomatoes and that sort of thing that they grew last year in the community garden. So it's a good educational opportunity. It's a good opportunity for the community. It's working really well. So I'm excited that they have the plants started. And yeah. and a good opportunity for those kiddos to get those memories instead of future farmers of America, it's future. Well, yeah, it'd still be future farmers, yes, uh, it would. farmers and gardeners. And so That's right. if you have had any experience that you can draw back on as a kid into your youth or now you're a your young adulthood and even something you can do into your retirement age that you can garden and you can garden to your ability and it's it's very rewarding yeah very and another pause yeah and another thing is with preschoolers the families tend to get involved so we had families coming and utilizing the community garden because their preschoolers had started the plants and the the kids were excited and the parents were too. So I think that's really a good thing nutritionally. And it gives people the information that they need, that they can actually garden and grow things. We hope in the future to get some food preservation classes going so that we can, you know, help families prolong that gardening season and use that produce later on in the year. So we have a lot of concepts around the, the greenhouse and the gardens but I think it's going to be really good for the community and the people who live here. Yeah. I think the whole program is kind of a community engagement type of activity. Uh, so it's, you're not just planting on a limited scale. You're what, what you are doing is um, influencing the whole community of Fort Laramie. That's our hope. That's our hope to do that. And, and we want to get, you know, the full cycle ingrained in these kids that you can compost the what you don't eat, what you consider waste, and it becomes something that your plants can use in the future. So we're going to put that composting component in there. And I think I think it's good for people to have that information, even if they never use it themselves, but to understand that cycle 
of how things work. And so, yeah, we we really believe that this is good for the community as a whole and not yeah. just the preschoolers and not just the old ladies that totter out there and pull the weeds. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I think it's a positive thing. And we're working on landscaping that area in front of town hall. It's been kind of a weed patch and we're trying to get that landscape. So it's pleasant and pleasing and not all in grass because we want to help people understand that there are plants that are beautiful and functional that aren't just grass and don't just suck up water. Now, Joyce, I know it's just a little early, but we'll sure get you on the list to have some giant pumpkin seeds to put on your perimeter and have those kiddos see maybe if they could grow something of size more than maybe a hundred pounds. So the delight in people's eyes when they get to see a and grow a giant pumpkin is just undeniable. Well, we are looking forward to some pumpkins of epic proportion. Epic. <laughs> so Joyce, do the, does, does the uh, plan for the garden currently uh, incorporate or will it incorporate a, um, web of uh, squash plants on the outside to keep the deer out. <laughs> well, I'm actually thinking that that would be a good thing to put. We're having the, the raised beds go around the outside. And I honestly think that would be a good place for that, that type of plant because it will defer the deer a bit and it will also prevent taking up all the inside space with those yep. very large plants. So yeah. I'm seriously thinking that some trailing plants like that are a good plan for the outside. Now, would you think about zucchini or would you think about, I mean, zucchini, good gosh, if you're doing that much zucchini, you could do a lot of giveaway. I might be run out of town if we have that much zucchini. They'd have to start finding where they left their keys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People will have to lock their cars because you ne- during zucchini season, you never know. <laughs> but that was a, that would be a good uh, something that would be edible as well, in case the deer did step on it or not step on it. Eat the blooms would just would make the plant proliferate, wouldn't it, Jeff? Um, if you took the blooms off. You know, not necessarily. We tried limiting the growth of melons one year and limit them. We did. They did not, they did not do well. So um, yeah, it's trimming stuff off. isn't the best way to go if you want to grow a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think cutting the flowers off probably puts more energy into the fruit that already exists, but it probably doesn't increase the plant growth. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I think we're getting close to our time I for the week. I think, Jerry, you wanted to say a few things as we wrap up. If there's closing comments that either of you would like to make, that would be fantastic. Joyce, you got anything? No, I think we covered the Fort Laramie Botanical Garden quite well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and and one should go to Fort Laramie and, and drive around and look at some of those things. They're really quite, quite interesting. Y'all still have the the growing wall that uh, is we hydroponic. We do. So, uh, yeah, and that's interesting to look at. And and then I suggest looking at that geodesic dome. And please walk into it and take a look because it is open to the public. So anybody okay. can come and take a look. Yeah. Perfect. Good yeah, perfect. And, and you can't miss it. Drive up Main Street. Look on yep. the left-hand side. 
we took the Christmas lights down. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> so on a personal note, Myrna and I are retiring from chiropractic care. She says that she was always the gopher, but I think she was always the glue. Yes, of yeah. course. So I think we're going to try to have a, a soil profile in our garden rather than a weed profile. <laughs> and but, but wait a minute now uh if you have more time that means you can rototill more so you need to you need to wean yourself off that thing you know i i counted how many times i rototilled and i was down to seven times oh good lord <laughs> oh, he's a recreational rototiller yes any, any more than any more than three that's recreational buddy <laughs> so Three's okay, seven's too many. All right, I got it. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, please please continue. <laughs> I think I'm done. So okay. everybody, thank you so much for listening to us. We're, we, I think we do always have a good time. Uh, we try to anyway. We have some laughs and giggles, and, and hopefully we learn a little bit about gardening. I know I do. We, uh, there's always a word that we fumble on and have to look it up for next time and whether we bring it up next time or not, that's <laughs> if we remember, but we'll, uh, yes. Uh, uh, you know, thank you all for, uh, uh, joining us and listening to us and, uh, putting up with us as we get closer to uh, growing season, we'll continue to keep doing this. So, uh, uh, thank you everybody. Thank you, Joyce, for joining us today. Thank you. And, uh, Jerry, as always, thank you for being here. As always, see you next time. Even even though we have to work around your schedule. Well, it shouldn't be much anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, again, thank you all for joining us. Uh, hope you have a good week and uh, happy gardening. You've been listening to Lawn and Garden with the University of Wyoming Extension Specialist, Jeff Edwards, and co-host Jerry Urshabek. As the snow melts and the sun breaks, the University of Wyoming Extension has many upcoming virtual and hybrid learning programs available to you. Listen each week for details on new events and how to make your garden flourish. Good day and happy gardening.